Hello and welcome to the Right Fight Podcast, a discussion about how to live a loving life. I'm Reg Lloyd and we're having a conversation with Kenny Vaughn. So Kenny, we've made it to the end of chapter five with the last thing that you mentioned that love is not, and you say that love does not delight in evil. And as I re- reread this, I felt the weight um, of, of the material. And I want to read, start out by reading the first uh, chapter under Love Does Not Delight in Evil. You said, delighting in evil is a major red flag. It is a sign that fear is beginning to fully mature in somebody's heart. If we find ourselves delighting in evil, it may be the last chance we have to turn our ship around. Delighting in evil allows fear to take root in the deepest parts of our hearts. Finding comfort and gaining pleasure from seeing someone else suffer is the opposite of love. Delighting in evil may also be planning and intentionally doing something to hurt someone else so that we can feel better. So you say that delighting in evil is fear fully developed. So to be clear, in our context, you're talking about a person getting satisfaction from hurting others. Is that what you're referencing? Yes. So um, d- evil. I think we all do evil things. Um, and if, you know, when I say that, I'm thinking, okay, well, what is evil? Um, and I, I think evil is sin is evil, obviously. And then and then selfishness is evil. Um, doing just meaning you know doing things that I think will help me or that somehow are better for me with no regard for you, regard for you whatsoever. Um, those things are evil. But hopefully when we do evil things, we have remorse, you know, and, and, we, and hopefully we didn't like spend a lot of time planning and thinking about this. Usually before someone does anything, for sure for someone delight, before someone would delight in evil, they've, They've done this in their own minds, in their own hearts, many times already, and and so the acting it out is just the just the I guess the maturing of what they've been nurturing in their hearts and their minds, and so um, I wanted to clarify the difference between delighting in evil and evil because I mean I sin frequently, I have thoughts frequently that ha- that if I embrace could certainly sow seeds that would eventually wreck my life. I don't think that people set out to be evil. I don't. I don't think they're born evil. I don't think that um, they ever desire to delight in evil. I think they get hurt, and they and it and they get hurt enough times that at some point they decide to to put themselves first. So that so fear starts taking root. So they start becoming these eight things that love is not angry, rude, envious, prideful, all things that we we keep talking about. And then it works to some degree in that it it stops people from hurting them as much, but they don't realize that that, that they're becoming what they hate. And um and then as the as that matures, they begin to become blind to the truth not see the truth for what it really is. Um, they really become blind to most everyone. I mean, selfishness is a total self-focus. So that I become more blind to other people, my feelings for other people, my my concern for other people. I don't care what they think. I don't care. I don't care anything. Like, I don't care. That's a, that's a big, major bridge on your way to delighting in evil is I don't care anymore. And... And then slowly it 
matures into, in our own hearts and our own minds, imagining that it would be wonderful for someone else to hurt or suffer. Um, and then imagining that it, how could we make sure that they hurt or suffer and then planning a way <laughs> to hurt them or suffer them or, and, and then actually eventually actually doing it. Sometimes this, you know, when it's fully matured, this fear is fully matured. Sometimes it actually plays out in a school shooting or, um, you know, shooting up a concert or something like this. Uh, but sometimes it plays out with people going on living and not killing people, but using everyone around them for their own gain. In the worst cases, they'll use their children. You know, the, uh, I mean, in a case of a, a marriage, you know, one spouse might use their children as a weapon against the other spouse. Um, they they might want to see, they might want to sow division between a child and a parent or a friends or family just to just to enjoy seeing the division. So if we these can be little it can be little seemingly little things, it's never little or enormous things, but if we find ourselves finding pleasure or any kind of excitement in someone else's suffering, even our enemies, I would say. You know, I mean, even our, that, that's probably the first major red flag. That's kind of your, your first intersection, this first crossing, the first thing that pops up that should be a red flag to you that maybe something's wrong here. Because the first people we want to see suffer or pay the price or anything else is the people we perceive as our enemies. And so, you know, if, if I am, if, you know, if I want to see them suffer or pay the price because I'm going to enjoy that, Man, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's that is fear be, beginning to fully develop in your life. And if you leave that unchecked, and especially if you nurse that, you wrap your arms around that, you justify it, and everything else, then it can uh, it can really blow blow up from there. But going all the way back to how do we get there? Like how do we get to this place of fearfully developed? And I. I Anytime I hear about a school shooting, by the way, I just feel like no one talks about the real problem when you see these things. You know, it's um, it's a heart problem, and it is it is a great example of fear fully developed. And so, a lot of times, I'll go and I and try to follow up later. You know, it's, there's so much out early on, but a year or two later, and see, you know, what was the research like? What did they learn from this kid who's now in prison? Surely somebody asked him why he did it. And amazingly, they normally are very transparent. They'll tell you why they do it, you know. And everybody knows, and, and, and they'll always say, of course, that I was hurt and I was hurt or I was bullied. And I kept getting bullied. So, I, you know, so I didn't like people. I didn't want to be around people. I don't really, and then they'll say, I don't really know why I did it. I just did. I just wanted to. And that, within that, from the getting hurt to the not know why I did it is where the solution is. That's where the answer to this problem lies. So, it's, in other words, it's not being bullied that results in kids shooting up schools. I, don't, I almost don't know anyone who wouldn't tell you they were bullied. And I know lots of people who bullied. I mean, I've, I've been bullied and I've bullied. 
That's not, that, that's not a good thing for sure. But that's not what results in someone delighting in evil. What's this, what results in someone delighting in evil is that they get hurt and hurt and hurt. Normally they're getting hurt at home and they're getting hurt at school. They're getting hurt by everybody. Somewhere along the way, they decide, never mind, I'm looking out for number one. It's me first. I even, I, I, wish, I can't remember the kid's name. There was a kid that, that horrendous what he did not long ago. And, um, you know, I think it's been a couple of years. And so I found something on him. You know, they asked him, why, you know, why, why did you do it? What led to you doing it? And his answer was, well, he had, apparently he lived, I think, his terrible life at home, terrible life in school. You know, he was getting it from every direction. Then he moves in with an in-law or a, a aunt, uncle, stepmother, I don't remember, somebody. And he says, when I moved in with them, they told me it was time for me to stand up for myself. And so that's what I did, meaning that's why he shot up the school. And so you might say, well, Kenny, are you suggesting we, suggesting that he shouldn't have stood up for himself or that we shouldn't stand up for ourselves? And don't check out when I say this. Like, listen for a second. But, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so what I'm saying is I'm not saying that he should pretend it's okay for people to bully him all the time. But the trap— of this bullying is that we become the bully. And the first step to becoming the bully is deciding that it's me first. I'm going to stand up for myself. So if I don't stand up for myself, what am I supposed to stand up for? So in other words, maybe this is a better way to say it. My responsibility in my life is not to fight for my rights. It's to fight for what is right. So I can stand up for the truth and what is right, which may mean taking a stand against you, but it's not for me without regard for you. It's for you too. The truth is best for everyone. And within that, I can remain patient, kind, truthful, all these things that love is. But when I make a decision to stand up for myself and to heck or hell with everybody else, then I become, that's the first step to becoming these eight things that love is not. So this is how it plays out. We make this decision, I'm, and I'm not talking about, I mean, I, I mean, I frequently do this, you know, one-offs, you know, I mean, catch me driving down the road, and it's like, I don't care about you, get out of my way. You know, these different things. I'm talking about a, a major heart change, a shift in directions of, you know what, this is going to be my new approach in life, me first at all costs. When we do that, this is what happens. We start, we get hurt the next time. Instead of not knowing what to do or maybe doing the wrong thing or whatever, we know exactly what to do, become angry. Then we become rude. And there's, eight, there's these eight things that love is not. So it's angry, rude, envious. We become prideful. And when I'm looking out for me, when I'm standing up for myself, I'm prideful. If I'm standing up for the truth and what's right, and I'm the one who's wrong, and I'm in a loving place, I'm willing to change. Okay, I'm not blind to the truth. But if I'm looking out for me without regard for you and I become prideful, I then become blind to the truth. So I get blinded as I move through this process of fear. So I'm prideful, then I'm unforgiving, and then I'm selfish. And then in the end, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, fearful, you know, it, it, that fear or love does not <laughs> delight. And evil. Mm -hmm. And so when this fear fully develops, 
what happens in these kids' lives, in these schools, what happens in our lives is we become these eight things. We started this process to save ourselves, and we end up killing ourselves is what we're doing, right? So think about it like this. Jesus came to give you life. And what he said was, if you, the first thing you have to do if you want life is to lay down your life. He says, if you save your life, you lose it. Well, Satan, who is fear, comes to bring you death. And the first thing that he says is, if you want to save your life, you need to put yourself first. You need to love yourself because he's leading you to death. And so whenever these, whenever someone makes this decision to transfer from me last to me first or from selflessness to selfishness, these eight things develop in their life. Now they have been led to death. Okay, so if you're these eight things, you're fruitless. And if you, if you stay stuck in that, if you don't surrender, like you, at any point in this process, you can surrender, run back to Jesus, run back to truth, run back to love, and all of these things can immediately begin to, t- like it turns on a dime. But if you don't ever make that turn, you stay stuck in these things, you get to this place and these children where you want to die. Like you're, you're so fruitless, nothing you have, nothing you're doing that you think is protecting you, is helping you, it's also killing you. So not only was everybody hurting you originally, now everybody's still hurting you, and now you're destroying yourself, but you are blind to the truth. So when you get to the point that you want to die, you believe it's everyone else's fault. You, you just don't, these people, unfortunately, they just don't see that it's not my anger, it's not my rudeness, it's not my pride, it's, it's not my envy, it's not those things that have now not only killed my tree, my fruit that people were taking from me, now I've personally destroyed my roots, so I'm desolate, I want to die, but it's not my fault, everyone else has done this to me. And so in some cases, not in all of them, some cases I think, I think their, their, their point is just, you know what, I lost. And, but instead of just killing myself, I'm going to take as many of y'all with me on the way out, and it's indiscriminate. It doesn't matter. They may be one or two targets, but for the most part, it's everybody. Like, I hate everybody. I don't care about anybody. But that's, that is fear's trap, that the bully becomes the bully. In the process, the bully allows fear to fully develop in their lives. Then they delight in evil. And then after delighting in evil, if they never surrender, comes death. And they would tell you they want to die because everybody hurt them, but that's that's not exactly what's taking place. Does that make sense? It does. And it, it's it's a thinker. Yeah, it is. And it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice would you give the listener that is finding delight or satisfaction in hurting others. Yeah, so repentance and, and like sit down and do a heart check, you know? I mean, ask yourself why. And, and, and if your answer is just because they hurt me, you know, you need to ask yourself, well, do, do you want to become, do you really think becoming who they are is going to help anyone, including you? And so, you know, we, we got to ask why. And, and I mean, I think Jesus is the only answer. But um, I think if anyone sits down, if they stop and sit down and they're willing to search their own hearts and pray 
then they they know that it's not right. And then the only, but so then maybe then the your question is, okay, so I do that. I realize I'm a problem, all that. What do I do? Now what do I do? Surrender. Like you have to surrender. And, and I'm sorry, I don't know any way to live a loving life or to escape delighting in evil or to escape a life ruled by fear than Christ. You know, I mean, you, you wonder, I hear people say this, and I wonder if they understand what they're saying. I wonder if other people understand what they're saying. When in these cases, cases of these school shootings, and I use this like, what could be more evil? Um, but people say, you know, well, we took Jesus out of schools, and, and and people who don't know what's going on be think, well, okay, whatever. How did Jesus out of schools resulted in kids wanting to shoot up schools? Well, um, I like somebody, please ask me. Okay, well, I'll answer because God is love. Jesus is love, and when you remove Him from the schools. You remove love from the schools. And when you remove love from the schools, you introduce, something has to fill the void. Well, they intentionally fill the void of removing love with the idea that you should love yourself and that you should have your own truth. Well, the problem with all of that is it doesn't work. So you're teaching everyone, you're teaching generations of children to put themselves first. Well, that's how Satan leads people to death. I mean, it's, this is nothing new. Right? I mean, since the beginning of time, it's, it works the same way it always has and it always will. So the removing of love, and they, everybody knows you're not supposed to remove love, so they introduce this self-love, which is no substitute for love or God's love. So they, give up, they, they take away the source of life, which is love. And then they, so now, what are, they, what are they gonna hang the hat on? They give them a substitute for the actual source of life, which is self love and my own truth, instead of love, God's love, and the truth. And, and that works for a little while, then it becomes undone. So you have, that's why you have record, this may say I'm oversimplified, but I'm just telling you, that's why you have record, record numbers of teenagers in depression, filled with anxiety. Record numbers of kids shooting up schools, record numbers of all kinds of things because we're, I mean, children don't know better. They eventually become, they slowly learn better, but they don't know, they need to be taught. They need a loving person around them teaching them how to love. And we've, we've uh, unfortunately, we've removed that. And the fruit of a loveless life is a fear-filled life. And the fruit of that is death, you know, by many any means. And delighting in evil, as you say, is fear fully developed. Yeah. Well, Kenny, that wraps up chapter five. And during our next podcast, the next one, we will begin with chapter six, which is talking about what is love. You'll begin defining what that is. But uh, until then, trust God's word no matter what. Keep your eyes on the horizon. Thanks for listening to The Right Fight Podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, The Right Fight, for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, Audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.